Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. I'm your host, Catherine Plano. I am a creative soul adventurer, a modern day alchemist, and a transformational coach for entrepreneurs, businesses, leaders, and for those who want to break the cycle of convention and redefine success one step at a time. I am on a mission to empower the conscious people of this world, those who seek to learn, grow, understand and become the very best version of themselves that they can be. Every week we have thought leaders, change instigators and inspirational human beings from around the globe that offer you profound teachings and recent discoveries from the world of neuroscience, positive, cognitive and spiritual psychology to help you build wealth, health, love and achieve lasting transformation. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning, connection, and resilience into your life and your business. As always this week, we have another amazing guest for you. We have Elizabeth Hill. Elizabeth is an entrepreneur, attorney, former counsellor, and mother of four. In addition, Elizabeth recently launched the Legit Endeavours podcast, focused on small business and entrepreneurs seeking to start or grow their business. Elizabeth is passionate about helping other entrepreneurs and small business owners level up their business by making sure it is legit in every way possible. The Legit Endeavours podcast focuses on small business strategies as well as making sure that the common legal pitfalls are addressed and avoided. In addition to recently launching Legit Endeavours, Elizabeth owns her own solo practitioner law firm as well as a winery, bistro and vineyard, Berkeley Hill Vineyards. Elizabeth enjoys a public speaking on various matters including small business and entrepreneurial issues, women's empowerment and wine. She tackled law school as a non-traditional student after finding herself as a single mum with three young children. Elizabeth enjoys being involved in her local community and spending time with her family. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Well, today I am super excited about our guest. We have the lovely Elizabeth Hill all the way from Texas. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Hi, Catherine. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm super excited. And I was just explaining for our listeners, uh, Elizabeth has got a beautiful accent. And I was just saying, she probably (laughs) thinks I've got an accent, but um, that's the way it goes. Yes, we both sound completely normal to ourselves, right? (laughs) That's it, that's it, that's it. So, Elizabeth, we always love to start the show with um, our woman of inspiration, which is you, my dears, to share her unique story. So, Elizabeth, tell us, what inspired you to do what you do today? Well, you know, uh, about 10 years ago, I found myself a single mom with three very young children, and I had a strong desire to both make them proud and provide for them. And so I started exploring an interest that I'd had way back since college in the law. And so as I looked into it, the doors just came open and I went to law school as a non-traditional student 
And it was a wonderful experience. I think that non-traditional students often do better than if we had gone straight through after undergrad. So, uh, you know, that's kind of my story. And then I met my wonderful husband who is in the wine industry. And so all of those worlds have combined so far. And now I have four kids. <laughs> wow. And now that makes sense. Every time I'm looking at your beautiful photos, you've got a glass of delicious wine. Yes, yes. I, I often have a glass of wine in my hand. That's very true. <laughs> Why not? And we were just saying, I'm I'm based in uh, Victoria, Melbourne. We're in stage four lockdown. And um, it's, a, it's interesting how uh, everyone that I have spoken to, it's like wine has become their favorite friend. <laughs> you know, it's maybe it's the thing that will get us through 2020. I don't know. <laughs> true. But- Yes, yes. And what's interesting about this area of Texas, and nobody thinks of this area of Texas to be such a great place to grow wine grapes, but it really is. The climate, the soil, even the wind favors growing wine grapes out here. So it's become this this really just burgeoning industry in this area, and it's, 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 it is exciting to see. Mm. Well, I was, uh, you, you've got my uh, taste buds uh, popping up, uh, but it is a bit too early in the morning, six o'clock on a Saturday morning, so I'll have to wait till this evening. <laughs> so, Elizabeth, well, it is oh, go on. o'clock, so. <laughs> oh, it is, it is, it is, it's, uh, it is, it's, you can have a glass of wine now. So, Elizabeth, I'm yeah. curious, I know that you are an entrepreneur, an attorney, you help a lot of entrepreneurs or uh, individuals in business, uh, uh, especially online, counselling business owners, is that correct? Well, yes. So more coaching, but I, um, it's funny because I was a counselor before I went to law school and now I say, well, I'm just a different kind of counselor because of course, attorneys are also known as counselors. And so, yeah, I think I have a really, um, unique background, not only helping small business owners, but also helping them during times when something has gone wrong and it's ended up in a legal dispute, and I'm helping them get out of it. And so with that background, I just have a passion for helping small businesses get set up and be legally protected from the beginning. Mm. What, what are some of those common legal mistakes that you see entrepreneurs or even small business make? Well, I think the most common mistake that I see is a failure to have a solid contract of some kind. And it can be not only um, the business owner with a third party, but it can also be two business owners together that did not really set up who would make decisions and how they would make decisions from the beginning, and they end up in disputes. And so contracts, I think, are by far what I see the most of, but there are several other issues such as trademark problems and um, infringing, of course, and then instances where businesses end up liable. And so I also help businesses make sure that their business and their personal assets are separated, which I believe very passionately about. Mm. So I'm curious, Elizabeth, I know many moons ago, I did a course and it was in business. And basically, we did talk about trademarking and trademarking can be quite costly. And it depends, I guess, where you are in what place part of the world. But I remember the teacher at the time was saying, if you've got an idea, write it down, date it, send it to yourself and don't open the envelope. And I've heard it again uh not that long ago, send yourself an email so you've got the date. Um, What are your thoughts about that? 
Well, it's kind of tricky. Uh, technically, an idea cannot be um, copyrighted or trademarked. What can be is once you put it out there into an industry or into commerce. So trademarks, um, the date that matters is the first time the trademark was in commerce. And so that means it was either representing your business or on, for us, a bottle of wine that was sold or things like that. And so I understand the, the email it to yourself, but there are some other hoops sometimes that you have to jump through to show that you were actually using the idea or trademark in your business. Oh, that makes sense. Absolutely. And so, because we are currently in this interesting times, um, and I call them interesting times because I think I don't think anyone on, on this planet has ever experienced this. How can small business owners build resilience during a tough time like this? Well, this has definitely been the year to challenge us to do that for sure. I think that, you know, business resilience somewhat mirrors personal resilience. Obviously, we need to have a support system in place. We need to have coping mechanisms and ways that we deal with um, problem solving and so I've really developed a passion for that, especially this year. We literally opened our most recent tasting room, which is by far our largest, um, in March. And we all know what happened in March, at least here in the United States. That was the month that everything shut down. And so we, we opened about two weeks before we had to shut back down. And so I learned really quickly that as a business, we were going to have to develop some resiliency to make it through this, because not only did we have the challenge of being a new business, but we had the challenge of opening during the first pandemic of our lifetimes that um, we had never experienced before. So putting a support system in place is very important. I, I strongly believe in community over competition, and I think that Many wonderful people have shown that during this time, um, both to other businesses and to other people, but then also making sure that you're made as a business to survive tough times like this, because there will be tough times no matter what. Mm, so what is your trick to, because when we talk about uh, resilience, I think everyone has their own way on how they build that muscle. What's your trick? Sure. And, you know, I, I firmly believe that whatever is the right way for you is the right way for you. But I have found that um, we make sure we try really hard not to overwork ourselves or our staff. Um, I have really, really wanted us to do a brunch and open on Sundays and do some things like that. But really, it's been a tough transition to go from being closed down and only doing to go and then being open at a limited capacity with very strict guidelines. And so we've made the conscious decision not to add another day or add more to our plate right now when we're just trying to kind of make it through this tough time. And so I think that as business owners, sometimes we have to have that restraint and patience to uh, not grow quite too fast, especially whenever things are tough. And so that's been the key that I've found um, during this time, because there's already so much stress on everyone right now that we should not be adding any more stress to ourselves. It's mm, so true, isn't it? And I mean, we're, I'm seeing that. And I, I think that that's one of the things that I always say that I feel the most. It's some business will pivot through this time and, and some 
um, will cease to exist altogether, which I think is is um, a really sad thing because I, as you've experienced, there has been some businesses that have been working for so many years to build their business and then having to be in this situation. It's, um, it is, it's, it's about how do we help them build that resilience muscle? So that's why I was asking, you know, what's your trick? Cause I know for me, it's, I mean, part of me, um, building my resilience muscle is not to watch the news. That's one or read the paper. That's <laughs> the second one. Um, and really do my best uh, that I can with what we have. So not get pulled out of my center too much into the external event, which I can't control. Exactly. I think that's so important right now is there is so much out of our control that um, having that peace of mind to know that we can just control what we can control and you know, allow ourselves to be okay with that because it is really tough now and learning to pivot really fast has been another part of it that I think we have done fairly well. We um, really just looked at what our ideal customer was needing during this time and tried to expand those things. So we're still doing a lot of to-go and curbside and I, in my law practice, um, you know, the good thing about law practice is I can pretty much do everything by phone and email um, at this this day and age, other than sometimes having to sign an affidavit in front of a notary. And they've even got ways to, you know, avoid that if necessary. So just really looking at what my client or customer needs during this time and trying to meet that need. Mm. And on that, Elizabeth, obviously, uh, uh, being a attorney working in courts, uh, arguing in courts has definitely better uh, has equipped you to be a better speaker and entrepreneur. Can you talk us through that? Yes. Well, you know, I had this incredible experience in law school and I've always kind of been one of those people that was comfortable speaking in front of others. And um, it's just kind of my personality. But when I was in law school, I had this incredible experience where I learned how to argue or advocate for a position in front of judges and to be asked a lot of questions. And it was meant to simulate an appellate argument. And so once I had that experience, I believe that it really strengthened my speaking skills in other areas as well. And then it's led to that being a focus in my law practice where I do a lot of appellate work and um, do hearings for people. They'll bring me in just for a specific motion and hearing. And so that's something I've really enjoyed. And I have had a few Zoom hearings. We've not had any Zoom trials myself, but I've heard of them taking place. It sounds really tough to me, but Zoom hearings have actually gone pretty well. So it's it's a new age for sure. I know. Isn't it amazing how you, how creative um, we've all become in this time? And I think that's um, that's one thing that really stands out for me. Some what some of the businesses are doing, uh, and like you were just saying, I didn't even think about that doing it through Zoom. That's uh, it's pretty awesome when you think about it. It really is. And it's funny because I joke that, well, I can still wear jeans to those hearings as long as as long as I have a jacket on that I can take off later. But um, yeah, so I've actually really enjoyed the Zoom hearings. It's kind of been different, but it's been more relaxing for me. Mm, that's amazing. So Elizabeth, you're a very successful entrepreneur and uh, a woman in business. What has been one of your greatest lessons learned thus far? 
Well, I mentioned earlier my passion for community over competition, and I've really found that to be the case in all areas of my businesses. For example, in my law practice, I have really, it's really been important to me to be kind and courteous to other attorneys, regardless of whether they're on the other side or we disagree on an issue or we're both, we're actually fighting against each other figuratively in court. And what's been great about that is these are the attorneys that then hand off an appellate case to me later. And so I try to explain to my clients, um, some clients, of course, want someone who is more of that pit bull mentality and try to explain that actually judges don't like that. And uh, it will benefit you better to be kind and courteous to your competition and to develop a community because at some point that always comes back, at least in my experience, to reward you in a way. And, and sometimes it's just the reward of having a good relationship and less stress in an already stressful career of being an attorney. So that's what I try to really implement in my businesses, all of them. So I, I love that. And I think it's a, even with us, you know, sometimes I've even come into uh, uh, many times actually over the last 10 years been in business that um, sometimes I've actually uh, pulled in another executive coach or um, we have contractors but other external like who I guess people would deem as our competition. We've actually asked them to come on board and um, either come on board and work on a project with us or even uh, take over a project altogether. So, And I think that um, it's it's – to me, there is no such thing as competition uh, because we are all unique in our own way. Um, and I think that if you build that community in and there's more of a collaboration, I think it's a win-win for everybody. So I, I love that piece. I completely agree. And those that know me would probably say I'm an extremely competitive person. But really what that is, is me driving to compete against myself and better myself and do a really good job. And so if you, if you look at it that way, that those around you are not your competition, that you're just working to better yourself and, uh, you know, just do the best that you can, then I think it, it really serves you well, both in business and in your personal stress as well. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Absolutely agree. So being a woman in business, and we always love to ask um, about pain points. We believe everyone has pain points. What would be your biggest pain point in business? Um, and how do you find or come across a solution to your pain point? Well, I, you know, I think that all women experience a little bit of this, but there is still um, inherent bias at times to the belief that a woman in the room is not the one in charge. And uh, I have experienced that on many occasions or, and my friends and I discuss, you know, being mistaken for support staff, um, which is very valuable, but just that inherent bias that somehow we couldn't be the partner in charge of the case or the, the attorney in charge of the case. And so, you know, we have to deal with that in, in a way that really builds us up as women and shows us in a very shining light in those situations. And just uh, see it as continuing to change society. And I know that we often think, oh, well, things have changed. People are, are accepting. But it's still, 
it's still there. There's still a lot of inherent bias, um, especially in this neck of the woods, so to say, in, in Texas. And so I'm still quite a minority in litigation and appeals as a woman, even though women overall make up more attorneys now than men in, in the United States. And so that's really cool. But um, there are certain areas of the law that they're still very much outnumbered, which I am in. And so it's, uh, you know, it's just a challenge that I think we have to learn to handle with grace. And, you know, none of us are perfect at doing it, but I just try to keep trucking and keep moving along to show that um, women are strong business owners and um, can be in charge in whatever situation and to lead well in those situations as well. That's so true. I mean, those unconscious bias, it doesn't matter where you work. I mean, I work with a uh, large corporations and have done over the last 10 years, more, 25 years, I should say. And even though it's a focus, I, don't, I think it's still there, regardless of what uh, vertical you work in. And obviously, some verticals more so than others. Um, but it, it is, it's about how do we keep moving forward, uh, regardless of these unconscious bias. So what what is that thing for you? How do you keep marching on and pushing through these biases knowing that they're there? Because I know there's been some very successful women who have given up because of these biases and having to and being up against them all the time. Yeah, you know, it's tough and a lot of it is just personal development. I I know that I have been particularly focused on leadership skills more recently and really working to make sure that I'm developing those leadership skills so that I can tackle and uh, walk into situations where there is inherent bias and handle it um, well. And so, you know, it is tough and I don't always handle it perfectly, obviously, but it's it's been a good challenge for me to really do some studying and some inward looking as far as what my leadership skills are and what I need to improve. And so it's just, I think it's one of those things where we just have to keep going and keep trying to demonstrate good leaders as women. Mm, I love that. I just was thinking yesterday I had a guest on the show and I'm just thinking about the comment that she made, which is interesting because you are a mother. I'm a mother of one. You are a mother of Four. And she made a comment, putting your uh, women have this knack of putting their own needs at the bottom of the washing basket in the hope that they'll get to it eventually, but they never do. How do you make the time for yourself? Yeah, that is so true. We really, we really do that because, um, you know, I, it's so intriguing to me, the studies that even as women, we've become more and more the breadwinners and, um, contributing to the home, but the primary childcare has still been the vast majority with women. And so for me, I am fortunate. I do have a wonderful partner and husband who, uh, is just as much a women's empowerment um, advocate as I am. So, you know, at times if I feel like things are getting really, really lopsided, um, and part of it is just me being involved in the kids' lives, but um, if I feel like I need some support, um, I do talk to him about it, and that helps me to still have a bit more time for myself. I will say it's been pretty tough. Anytime you open a new business, 
And certainly during this year, when we were also homeschooling at the same time, um, it's been really difficult. But I think I think having a partner is a wonderful thing to have. And if you if a woman doesn't have that, I just think a support system would be just so important. And we often have to work on building a support system around ourselves. We have to build those relationships so that we have a support system. And so it's tough, but we have to keep on going and keep trying to balance things out in our lives. Mm, And I love the fact that you um, touched up on women's empowerment. And I think this also links back to what you're talking about, the community. I think it's it's something that's important for all of us to be able to uh, uh, connect because I think when you think about the women's brain, for example, we um, are the, we like to, you know, the men used to go out hunting and the women used to stay back and look after the children and, and uh, pick the berries off the tree and very much about keeping the tribe together. And we're all very, very tribal, women even more so. And I think that's really important to keep in mind that um, women and men uh, creating these, these um, uh, communities is of the most important uh, thing to do but especially in these times so if we were to think about that how does one build a community uh, especially online well you know I think similar to um, the analogy of marriage it, it doesn't just uh, fix itself or, or work itself it does take work and so I think you have to reach out and do a lot of the work in developing a relationship with others and making sure that you keep up with it and you find ways to connect, whatever they may be. And and these days, it's even more of a challenge to connect, but it does take work. And that's one thing that I've had to remind myself on occasions whenever I've found that I'm working too much instead of building community is that, you know, I will be more effective as an attorney or as a business owner, if I have a strong support system around me and a community around me. And so I have to put work into it to foster those relationships. And some of it may be that you're serving others in some way and meeting their needs and that, uh, you know, as a community, y'all would do that for each other in the future. Mm. What are your thoughts about, because I know there's been a lot of um, uh, people that have reached out, for example, the Uh, Big introverts uh, do not like networking uh, and are forced to find a way online. And some of the comments that I've heard, it's like, how do I know how to connect with whom and, uh, you know, what groups do I join? And I always say, look, really, it's about what is of interest to you and what really makes your heart sing. So what are your tricks or what is it that you do to build this community uh, online with entrepreneurs and businesses um, that more so aligned with your type of services? Because you're, you're very unique. I don't even think we've ever had, we've, this is our fourth year in the show, I don't even think we've had an attorney come on um, the show that is an entrepreneur. Oh, that's that's cool to hear. Well, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that it's always, and it's kind of like how we operate in business. It's important to look at the other person and what their need is and how you can help meet that need, whether it be in business or whether it be in friendship. 
And so those that are introverted, I think that, you know, one-on-one relationships can be really rewarding. And so, you know, taking the step to, you know, overcome that fear and reach out to someone to see if there's something that you could offer or at least just show a genuine interest in that person. And that's the one thing that I've found in in my relationships is that, you know, oftentimes some people prefer more one-on-one and some people love big groups. And so even online, it can be that way. You can have one-on-one relationships and you can have big groups or a combination of both, but it does take that work and showing an interest in genuine care for others. Mm, I love that. And it is true. You do have the option, whether it's one-on-one or group, it doesn't have to always be a group. I'm curious, Elizabeth, what is the, let's talk about um, the importance of having a purpose and mission in business. Well, it's so important. And I have really spoken about this quite a bit um, in my my new legit endeavors, um, my new endeavor of legit endeavors. But, um, you know, having a purpose and a mission really keeps you on track, especially during times like this when it's tough and it's easy to get sidetracked to look at what your purpose is, what your mission is, and whether what you're doing every single day is carrying that out. And, you know, we can create small goals that are done just in a few months or a few days, and we can also create long-term goals to carry out the mission and the purpose. But I think it's so important to really just keep yourself on track so that as a business owner, you're not zigzagging around and wasting energy on things that aren't enabling you to carry out that purpose or to carry out your mission. Mm, so it's, it's, it's having your North Star so that it keeps you, once you're very clear about your purpose and mission, because I know some businesses that have gone out there, started a business because they're passionate about what they do without a purpose and, and a mission statement. Um, and so that's why I was curious because sometimes for me, I think it's really important to have a purpose or mission to keep you on track, as you were saying. Yes, definitely. So what are some of the ways that that small business owners can protect themselves legally? Well, so I think the number one first thing to do is to, if the business owner has not done this yet, to separate their personal assets from their business assets. And I've heard even, you know, other attorneys or accountants say that, oh, well, the taxation is the same as if you were just a sole proprietor or DBA. But the issue that I've seen is that down the road, if you have something happen, and sometimes it's just the chance of being in business and things do happen, and you end up in a legal dispute, if you've not created an entity and separated those business assets, then you can be sued in your personal capacity and they can come after your personal assets. And I've defended several people that had that situation. And of course, the very first thing we did after we resolved that was set up an entity so that we separated so that you really do protect not only your business, but you protect yourself. And then also just making sure that you have really good contracts in place that have all of the what ifs that you could possibly imagine. And I think this year has shown us that, you know, we may have what ifs that we could not ever even imagine ourselves. And so 
contracts are really, really important to make sure that whenever you're working with someone, just the expectations are completely crystal clear and you both know what would happen in any given circumstance. And so those are those are the two main things. There's a lot of intricacies there, but um, that's what I see the most common um, mistakes uh, with business owners. Mm, I um, I love that. It's true contracts. I mean, I, I know for even um, for our business, we there's no way we could function in business without a contract. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's so helpful because, you know, we have a tendency to think that the other person that we're talking to knows what we mean. You know, mm-hmm. we we think that they're seeing it the way we are. And, and it's amazing how often we misunderstand each other. And so, and it's just a genuine misunderstanding. And so a contract really helps put it on paper so that it's just crystal clear for everyone. And you can put down just ways that you would resolve issues if they came up, because that's so important as well. Mm, So good. Love it. Thank you. So Elizabeth, as we start to wrap up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word for you? Hmm. Well, legit seems too obvious since (laughs) that's in my title, but I would just say um, persistence. I have uh, really been a persistent person whenever I've hit challenges, whenever I've felt beat up and beat down, I really persist and just continue. And I think, you know, as business owners, really, you have to have that mentality if you're going to survive as a small business that you continue to persist. Mm, I love that. And I, I so agree with that. You can't, um, it just goes back to a, another uh, interview. Um, she was saying that, you know, these times you could be a victim uh, of, of what's taking place. You could be a survivor of what's uh, taking place so you could actually be really creative and go okay how can I pivot my business and really not let this um, uh, you know be the the end of it all or you can be a, a thriver where uh, yes you've either been impacted by what's taking place the event but you are then able to pivot your business but then help others Yes, so true. And that's really the thing is that in order to serve and help others, you have to be strong yourself, definitely. Absolutely. And the last question we always love to ask our woman of inspiration is to share three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners. So Elizabeth, what would be three practical exercises that you would like to leave for our audience today? Well, um, so the first would be... um, to be consistent. Uh, one of, and, and this is not a restricting consistency, but, uh, you know, if it's, if there's something in your business important or in the online realm, consistency continues to be one of the most important things that people can do, um, to develop relationships with their audience and their customers. Um, the second would be to genuinely care about the person that you are serving or the business that you are serving. And I think that that really will enable you to serve them better and not just be concerned with, okay, this is a job and I have to get paid. And so I've got to do this next thing. So really develop that genuine concern 
And I guess the third kind of goes back to um, my theme word, but never give up. That uh, really is what we have to do, especially in 2020, but just never give up and, and hold to your goal and your dream. And even if you have to kind of adjust it, that's okay. Just never give up. Mm, I love all three and I think consistency is really important and it's okay for our listeners that you have your bad days but I always say have your bad days set a time frame uh, and then you then give yourself okay I'm gonna I'm gonna allow myself to feel this way for one or two days and then allow yourself then to you've let it go it's it's when we actually hang on to it for too long and then how do you continue and then this is that consistency piece how do you continue to move forward what else can you do so I think that's a really good one so, Elizabeth, where is the best place for our listeners to find you? Well, um, they can find me at legitendeavors.com, and there will be links to all of my social media. I'm Elizabeth G. Hill on Instagram and Elizabeth Hill on Facebook, but you can find it under Legit Endeavors as well. So I'd love for them to find me and, and send me an email or let me know what their questions are. Mm, thank you so very much we'll have that all in the show notes so Elizabeth I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing your wealth of wisdom I'm sure our listeners are going to reach out to you thank you so much Catherine it was such a pleasure to be here thanks for having me thank you thank you so very much for listening to today's episode if you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others please share the show with your friends to help us make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. Or please subscribe to the show. The more subscribers, the better the speakers for the show, which then means more value for you, so that together we can help the world become a better place. Don't give it another thought. Hit the subscribe button and help people get their weekly lessons. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift, where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplanner.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Until next week, wishing you a fabulous day.